chapter three, Rochefort. Although I did not personally accompany the emperor on the journey, it may well be supposed that I have carefully collected every circumstance which is material so as to be able to give a faithful account of the most minute details. The instructions of the provisional government enjoined General Becker not to allow the emperor to stop in the towns, but towards 10 o'clock in the evening, the journey having been so far performed with the most perfect silence, the emperor expressed a desire to stop at Rambier. He was probably exhausted by the power and depth of his emotions. Emotions so much the more oppressive as they had been always mastered and concealed. General Becker immediately ordered the postillions to drive to the chateau and not to the post. Emperor clung with such tenacity to Paris that he could not force himself to decide on having recourse to flight. A quarter of an hour after having sat down the table, the emperor arose and retired into his apartments with the grand marshal, as he had not said that he would pass the night at Rambier. Orders were momentarily expected for proceeding. An hour having been passed in expectation, Grand Marshal was at length perceived coming from the Emperor's chamber, and he announced that the Emperor, feeling himself indisposed, had gone to bed. On the next day, the 30th of June, the journey was resumed at 11 o'clock, and by daybreak next morning, the party reached Tours without the occurrence of any event to disturb the profound melancholy of the route at Tours, the emperor only stopped for a moment and during that moment he conversed with monsieur merimont who had formerly been his chamberlain but was at that time prefect of the indra and loire whom he had sent for through the duc de rovigo he then pursued his journey towards Poitiers, where he took some repose at the Hotel of the Post, outside the city. During the hall, General Becker wrote to the maritime prefect of Rochefort, giving him notice of the emperor's approach and requesting him to come and meet him on his arrival. This dispatch was forwarded by a courier on horseback. At full speed, they proceeded on their journey and reached the town of Saint-Maxon where a serious event was very nearly compromising the safety of the emperor. Seeing a carriage with four horses stopping at the door of the post-house, the whole population, excited by the different reports which they had heard from Paris and by the warmth of their passions, which increased in proportion as the party approached La Vendée, rushed eagerly in front of the carriage and with uncontrollable eagerness and curiosity pressed round the travelers the passports different in form and appearance from those which were usual only served to augment their curiosity while some began to assume 
the character of defiance. An officer of the National Guard carried the general's passport to the town hall to submit it to the municipal officers who were then sitting in permanent assembly. During this delay, the crowd continually increased and began to assume a menacing aspect. Fortunately, General Becker recognized in the middle of the mass an officer of the Gendarmerie who had formerly served on his orders. He made him a sign to approach, made himself known, and begged him to go to the town hall and bring back his passport. The officer departed in all haste in his mission and returned in a moment afterwards, not only with the passport, but with a further permission from the magistrates. He then went in front of the carriage, pushed aside the crowd, and made room for the horses, which were driven off at a gallop in the direction of New York. A similar occurrence happened to the emperor on his journey to his former exile in passing through the village of Dorgon where the crowd was near pulling him to pieces. On arriving at Nior, Emperor, worn out with fatigue, expressed desire for some repose, in consequence of which the postilions, instead of driving to the post, were ordered to stop at a small inn of modest appearance. From whence they were to start early the next morning, it was late and they did not take the trouble to put the carriage under cover. It remained standing before the door. The emperor ate but little of the hasty supper which had been prepared for him, and retired to his chamber without anyone in the house entertaining a suspicion of his real quality. The heat was intense, and at the early dawn he opened his window and, observing a balcony, went out to enjoy the pleasure of breathing the fresh air more freely. He had scarcely occupied the balcony for a few minutes when Lieutenant Colonel Voisin, on his way to early parade past the inn, he was surprised at seeing a person in a dressing gown of white bombazine with an ill-tied handkerchief on his head walking on the balcony at such an unseasonable hour he stopped looked at him and recognized the emperor his first thought was to proceed immediately to the quarters of his regiment and to order his soldiers to mount but on reflection he went to the house of the prefect and impressed him with an idea of the duty which gratitude imposed upon them of showing proper respect to the emperor, and the latter determined to accompany the colonel immediately to the inn to beg the emperor to accept the hotel of the prefecture as a lodging during the time of his stay at New York. The news of his presence in New York soon spread through the town and amongst the troops, and enthusiasm was such as to prevail over every other consideration. Both people 
and soldiers exhibited a degree of fanatical exultation. A halt of a few hours was changed into a sojourn of 48 hours and was only terminated by the emperor's issuing orders for departure. The popular demonstrations had assumed a very serious character and two regiments of cavalry in garrison at Nior wished at all risks to conduct the emperor in the midst of the army of the Loire. 